Thanks for listening to this audio podcast from Redemption Life Church. Listen as Pastor Michael Cox teaches on week two of Vision Month. So today is Love People. We're in Vision Month. It's Love People. I think the praise team sang longer without Jahan than they do with Jahan. Y'all all fired. Paul getting out scripture and everything else. My goodness, son. You're the guitar player, all right? Know your place. <laughs> no, I love it. Good, good, good. Good stuff. Emily Ashley asked me to say something, and I said, hold on, let me see how long they're going to talk first. So I said, never mind. I know, and it worked. You noticed that? It was good, wasn't it? Perfect. So. What she said is kind of what happened anyways and what was said, so I thought it was awesome. very next song was so good with what you said. So it's Vision Month. We're on Love People, and um, Habakkuk 2-2, that's, that's why we do Vision Month, is to write it, write what you see, write it out in big block letters so that people can read it on the run. Okay, so we want to keep the vision before you, keep it clear so that you know what we're about. So last week we talked about love God, and today we're going to talk about love people. Put that picture up, Josh, the, the, the one, the process. All right, remember, we, if you're going to love God, you have to do like this. I was kind of watching during worship today. Some of you got it, some of you didn't. You still need to work on it, okay? This is how you love God, all right? It's, it's inappropriate to do it any other way. And so, um, do you even notice, even when Dan was running, he did it like this. You see him? You got to do it right. Thank you, Dan, keeping it real. And then, so, today, love people and strike the pose, hold hands, kumbaya. That's how we do it. Um, Luke chapter 10, if you'll turn there, Luke chapter 10, I don't know why Siri keeps wanting to help me on my computer, did I say anything that sounds like Siri? If I say Siri, she won't answer, see, like right now, but if I say something else, she tries to, can I help you? No. Luke, Luke chapter 10, starting in verse 25. And a lawyer stood up and put him to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said to him, What is written in the law? How does it read to you? And he answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, You've answered correctly. Do this, and you will live. I love the New American Standard. It puts in parentheses at the end, enjoy active, blessed, endless life in the kingdom of God. That's what happens if you love God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. And if you love your neighbor, you enjoy active, blessed, endless life in the kingdom of God. Look at on down, very next verse, 29. But wishing to justify himself, he said to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? So I have to love God and I have to love my neighbor. 
So who is my neighbor? Jesus replied and said, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among robbers, and they stripped him and beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. And by chance, a priest was going down on the road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Verse 32, Likewise, a Levite also, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan who was on a journey came upon him, and when he saw him, he felt compassion and came to him and bandaged up his wounds, pouring wounds, pouring oil and wine on them. On the next day, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper and said, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, when I return, I will repay you. Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell into the robber's hands? And he said, the one who showed mercy toward him. Then Jesus said to him, go and do the same. I love how Jesus answers questions. Okay? Where's DJ? DJ, this is how Jesus answers questions, DJ. He said, who is my neighbor? And then Jesus Asked him a question. Who is your neighbor? You answer it. I'm giving DJ a hard time because he says, that's what I do. I, I ask questions to answer questions. And so I'm just trying to be like Jesus. What would Jesus do, right? So that's why I do that. Um, so he said, uh, who is your neighbor? And see, a lot of times people ask questions because they want you to give an answer. It's kind of like when you go to buy a car or something from somebody. And my dad taught me this, okay? When someone says, how much will you take for that? You know what you say? How much you give me? I'm not going to tell you how much I'll take for it because I might say less than you'll give me, right? And so I'm going to say, how much will you take for it? So when people say, who are my neighbor?" They're hoping that you'll answer with a lesser answer than what they would think it is, right? They're hoping to get you trapped in something that you say that lets them off the hook. And so that's what they were doing. And so uh, a lot of times that's why I answer questions with questions because some people ask me questions. And if I give the answer, then it will limit them coming up with the answer, right? Anyway, so he says, who is your neighbor? And he flips it around, so he's saying, who is my neighbor? Who am I obligated to love, in essence, is what the lawyer is asking. Who am I obligated to love? Who do I have to love? That goes back to what we were talking about before giving today. Who do I have to love to have eternal life? And so Jesus responds and gives him this scenario. The guy fell among robbers. Three different people come by. The third one actually cares for him, takes care of him, mends his wounds. And he says, who do you think was a neighbor to the robber? Okay? So the robber, he doesn't say the robber's your neighbor. So if you see a robber, you have to help him. Okay? He said, who do you think was a neighbor? So who determined whether or not the robber was his neighbor or not? The Samaritan determined that. And so who your neighbor is is left up to you to determine. But you can make anybody your neighbor. And so everybody is your neighbor, right? 
And so you determine the proximity. You determine whether or not you're going to be neighbors with somebody. So when you say, who is my neighbor? Who do I have to love? Who do I have to become, uh, reach out to? It's up to you. You have the ability to make anyone your neighbor. Look at John Doan's meditation. I love this. I kind of paraphrase it a little bit because he puts some stuff about uh, England washing into the sea and... We're not in England, so I take that part out. No man is an island entire to itself. Every man is a piece of the continent, a part of the main. Any man's death diminishes us because we are involved in mankind. No man is an island by himself. Every man is a piece of the continent. So who is your neighbor? Who is your neighbor? Everyone's your neighbor. Everyone that you have an opportunity to show grace to, love to, mercy to, is your neighbor. So love your neighbor as yourself. Uh, Matthew 5, 43. You've heard it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. It's taking it up a notch. Now we're not even talking about our neighbors. Now we're talking about enemies. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, persecute you so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven, for he causes the sun to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. Look at 46. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same. If you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same. I kind of starting starting far away today and working our way back because we're talking about what we do here as a body and as an expression and our major expression here of love people is our life groups and our community outreach and those things but it's a natural progression if we've got to love our neighbors which can be anybody and we've got to love our enemies which could be anybody it's a natural progression that to get there we've got to start somewhere else and so we talked about loving God last week, and you can't love God unless you know God loves you, right? And so if the love of God can break in and you can know God loves you, then you can respond and love him. You can't love yourself unless you know God loves you. And so you've got to love God. You've got to love yourself. So the first people that you need to love is you. And people say, man, this is new New age stuff that you love yourself, you're supposed to deny yourself, crucify yourself, all that stuff. That's talking about your flesh. That's not the real you. You're supposed to love the real you that's made in the image of God, that's holy, that's incorruptible, right? That's imperishable, that will live forever, the spirit inside of you. That's who you're supposed to love. It's got the DNA of your Father in heaven. You're supposed to love yourself you're supposed to be aware of what's really in you and you're supposed to love you and so you can't love anybody till you love yourself and when you love yourself you can love others we need to uh i think it's a natural progression after we love ourselves we love our families we love those people that are closest to us we love people that love us. We love people that reciprocate those affections to us. I think we practice love. 
And I think what we do as a body gives you an opportunity to practice love so that you can love the world. You don't just wake up and accidentally love your enemies. You've got to really wrestle with that love of God thing. You've got to really know who you are and what your identity is before you can love somebody who threatens to diminish who you are. But if you know who you are, then your enemies who threaten to diminish you will not scare you and will not make you need to make a preemptive attack against them before they're able to hurt you, right? And you can love people freely. We need to turn off some of our favorite news stations, I think. We talk about loving our neighbor, who is not just our neighbor across the street. It's our neighbor across the world. We have so many ideas. John 10, 27, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. My sheep hear my voice. We're listening to so many voices that are shaping whether or not we love people. I know we never want to talk about this stuff. We won't want to get political. We don't want to do anything. That's a no-no in church that you do that. But I don't know how we avoid it anymore. There's such dissension and such divisiveness and such matter-of-factness, such judgment in the body in regards to political things. People say, man, if you voted this way, you're this. If you voted this way, you're this. I can't believe anybody would do this. I can't believe anybody would do this. Man, we find ourselves reciting what the news anchor says more than we find ourselves reciting what our shepherd says. I mean, whose voice do we know? There is so much propaganda. There's so many lies, guys. It it amazes me how quickly we will spread a lie. It amazes me how quickly we'll form our opinion and we'll state something so matter-of-factly that is so far from the truth just because we're so broken that we want to attach ourselves to some other slanderous thing. And so we want to do those things, and it causes such division, and we need to turn off the news station. We all have our favorite ones that say what we want them to say and that support what we want to support. And people say, man, how, how can you say we don't need to be political? We don't need to do this. We don't need to do that. And I know it seems trite sometimes, and it seems um, weak and meaningless, but our prerogative, our purpose is to pray. At the end of the day, we're not going to be able to control who is in political office at any certain time. They're not going to do everything we want them to do. Either way. And so we have to, at the end of the day, believe that God, even if we disagree with who's in political office and who's in charge or who's making decisions, We've got to believe that God is big enough to turn the hearts of authority. 
in that at the end of the day, it's not going to be about a party and it's not going to be about a person, but it's going to be about God fulfilling his purposes on the earth. Yes. Period. Yes. We spend so much energy for political purposes. If we spent half as much praying as we do reading our articles. My wife gets on to me because I read a lot of articles. And I try to read them from both sides. To, I like to hear lies from both sides. I don't know why. But it's insane. It makes absolutely no sense. And there's no truth in it. Half of what you read is not true. Yet not only do we form opinions, we would literally let some lie destroy our relationship with a brother or sister. I've seen such hard lines drawn on political stances that unfriend me. I don't ever want to talk to you again if you feel this way, if you feel this way. That's so ridiculous. And it'd be different if people really knew something. So you're willing to separate yourself from friends and family over what somebody on TV told you. You don't know them. <laughs> they, got a, they, they need money. They need ratings. They need all kinds of stuff. The sooner we understand that, it'd be better. 2 Timothy 3. No, it's not really moving on. This is where we need to understand the world we're in. Don't be naive. There are difficult times ahead. As the end approaches, people are going to be self-absorbed, money-hungry, self-promoting, stuck-up, profane, contemptuous of parents, crude, coarse, dog-eat-dog, unbending, slanderers, impulsively wild, savage, cynical, treacherous, ruthless, bloated windbags, addicted to lust and allergic to God. They'll make a show of religion, but behind the scenes, their animals stay clear of these people. And I would say, don't just stay clear of them. Don't be one of them. Seriously. When we take on stuff, because if the motivation behind it, maybe you'd say, man, that would never be my motivation. But if the motivation behind that assignment and that slanderous attack and all that stuff is out of these motives and you share it and you spread it, are you not becoming a part of the same problem? First John 4. Seven, my beloved friends, let us continue to love each other since love comes from God. Everyone who loves is born of God and experiences a relationship with God. The person who refuses to love doesn't know the first thing about God because God is love. So you can't know him if you don't know love, if you don't love. This is how God showed his love for us. God sent his only son into the world so we might live through him. This is the kind of love we're talking about. Not that we once upon a time loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to clear the way, clear away our sins and the damage they've done to our relationship with God. Verse 11, my dear, dear friends, if God loved us like this, we certainly ought to love each other. No one has seen God ever, 
But if we love one another, God, God dwells deeply within us, and his love becomes complete in us, perfect love. You know, helping people without loving people is just using people to feel better about yourself. We like to rescue people. We like to be the one that tries to help people. But helping people without loving people is just using people. We can, I mean, 1 Corinthians 13 says you can die as a martyr, be burned at the stake, and still not love. It says you can give all you have to the poor and still not love. So we can have motives behind all these actions that are trying to help people or do whatever, but if we don't love people, it's pointless. And so you can use people to try to fulfill and feel better about yourself. Don't preach truth to somebody you don't love. If you don't love them, don't tell them the truth. Man, i got to tell people the truth. I just need to tell them the truth. No, if you don't love them, don't tell them the truth. The truth is to, be co- to come in love. And so if you don't love somebody, don't tell them the truth. Truth told without love is judgment. If I tell you the truth, just to tell you the truth, because you need to know the truth, then I'm assessing you where you are, and I'm assigning you the punishment for that. Stay there. So truth without love is judgment. Truth with love is mercy. And so if you love somebody and you tell them the truth, that's mercy to them. You know, God's mercy is his refusal to leave us where we are. But he brings correction to us because he sees where we're supposed to be. I said it like this to a group of people at my house one time. If you can't see someone walking in freedom and you can't see them fulfilling fulfilling the promises of God in their life, then leave them alone. Don't even tell them they're missing the mark. Does that make sense? Someone's missing the mark. They're living a life outside of the plans of God. But if you don't have... A vision. If you don't see them living whole, completing the purposes of God in their life, then just leave them where they are. Because it's better. Because coming along, just assessing and assigning them and say, hey, you're not right. Hey, you're not in the right place. Hey, you're missing the mark. That's not doing the work. So you're supposed to come and say, hey, look what God has for you. Hey, look what God wants to do in your life. Hey, Look what the plans he has for you. They're not, everybody when they see the plan that that God has for them, they'll understand, oh, that's not where I'm at. They'll go to where they're supposed to go. Or at least the invitation is there for them to go there. But just looking at where they are, assessing and signing where they are is not going to help them get to where they need to be. People don't need to know how far off the mark they are. They need to know they can still hit the mark if they repent and turn to him. You know, Proverbs 29, 18 says, Where there's no vision, 
The Amplified says, no redemptive revelation of God. We talked about this last week because that's why we have love God encounters. That's the very first part of the vision of our church is to remove misconceptions about God so that people can truly love him because they've received his love for them. But where there is no vision, no redemptive revelation of God, people perish. But he who keeps the law of God, which includes that of man, blessed, happy, fortunate, and enviable is he. So where there's a redemptive revelation of God, people keep the law. And they're happy and enviable. Where there's a a redemptive revelation of God, people keep the law. Look at Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. As for us, we all have these great witnesses who encircle us like clouds, so we must let go of every wound that has pierced us and the sin we so easily fall into. Then we will be able to run life's marathon race with passion and determination, for the path has been already marked out before us. Another translation for verse 1 says, Let's put aside... The weight and the sin that so easily entangles us, besets us, and let us run with endurance the race that's set before us, okay? So we put aside all this stuff, but here's the thing. We look away from the natural realm, and we fasten our gaze onto Jesus who birthed faith within us and who leads us forward into faith's perfection. His example is this. Because his heart was so focused on the joy of knowing that you would be his, he endured the agony of the cross and conquered its humiliation and now sits exalted at the right hand of the throne of God. Another translation says, Look, looking unto Jesus. We put aside the weight and the sin that so easily besets us, looking to Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising its shame. So without a redemptive revelation of who God is, that's through his son Jesus, we can't keep the law. But if we have a revelation, a redemptive revelation of God, it makes us want to keep the law. And so to put off the sin and the weight that so easily besets us, we have to look to Jesus, right? Because for the joy that's set before him, and he endured the cross. You know that people have to walk through repentance and sacrifice to get to freedom and wholeness. So people have to walk through repentance and sacrifice. They have to have inspiration and motivation to walk through repentance and sacrifice. That's why it says, look to Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who gave us an example of how to push through sacrifice. He showed us how to give our life. He showed us how to fix a point in the future of joy and endure whatever it takes to get to that place of joy. So his, his union with us was the joy that was set before him that caused him to endure the cross. And so there has to be something that's set before people who are missing the mark that causes them to want to go through and endure the season of sacrifice or the, or the action of sacrifice and surrender and repentance. 
if there is no mark for them to point through, they're just going to sit here, and if you just keep telling them how wrong they are, they're still going to be stuck, but now they're just covered in more guilt and more shame than they were before you opened your mouth. But if you can show them where they can go, and if you can show them, just like Jesus, the joy that was set before him was the union with us, if you can show them what it looks like to live in union with Christ, it will cause them to want to do whatever it takes to get out of where they are and to get to where you've showed them a picture of where they could be. That's how we love people. In Matthew chapter 9, I don't have time, but Jesus goes to Matthew's house, tax collector. People are judging him and saying, why are you there? He says, healthy people don't need a doctor, sick people do. I've come to invite the outcast of society and sinners, not those who think they're already on the right path. I don't even have time to get where I was trying to go today, but this was all my introduction. Because the point is, this is where we have to get. We have to get to where we can love the people that we're in. What was it, First Timothy? We have to get to, uh, Second Timothy 3, we have to get to where we can love them. We have to get to where we can go past, ask, past, asking questions about who's our neighbor and who do I have to love. We have to go past that and get to the place where we look for people to be our neighbor. Look for people to pour into. We have to get past all of that. We have to, that's where we're supposed to be. That's a life of fulfillment. Someone who's so free from me, I'm free from them. See, the reason we can't love people is because you can't love someone who you depend on to define your worth. You can only use people who you depend on to define your worth. And so we can't love them because we need them so much. We have to use them, and so we have to engage with them in a way that makes sure they think highly of us. And so we can never be real with them and let them see who we really are. We're wearing masks all the time. But for us to get to where we can love the unlovable and look for people to become our neighbor and all that stuff, it starts right here. If we can't love each other, we can't love the world. And let me say it like Paul says it. Um, 1 Corinthians 1.10. Let me say this. I'm just going to read it. I have a serious concern to bring up with you, my friends. Using the authority of Jesus, our master, I'll put it as urgently as I can. You must get along with each other. You must learn to be considerate of one another, cultivating a life in common. I have a serious concern to bring up. You have to learn to get along yeah. with each other. Some of you may say, hey, I'm apathetic to everybody here. I don't have a problem with people. What do you mean? That's, the, that's not learning 
to live in union together. Staying isolated in your own place and not putting forth the risk to build relationships is not learning to love each other. I don't think we have these big, these big uh, dissensions in our body. But I feel we have apathy. And I feel we have a lack of concern whether or not our lives are interconnected or not. Yeah. And I don't, well, I, want, I was going to say I don't think it's selfishness, but it is selfishness. But it's not like I just don't have time, I just don't this, I don't that. It's more like I don't want to take a chance. I've been hurt before. That's scary. I don't know how to act, so I'm going to save myself any uncomfortable situation. But like Paul said, let me say it again. I have a serious concern to bring up with you, my friends. Using the authority of Jesus, our master, I'll put it as urgently as I can. You must get along with each other. You must learn to be considerate of one another, cultivating a life in common. Cultivating. Is not a fun process always. No. Cultivating is not a fun process. I've had people come up to me and say, man, I just don't feel like I'm connected. I've been here this and this amount of time, and I just don't feel like I'm connected. And the first thing I'll say is, which life group are you in? Oh, well, I just didn't do one of them. Well, of course you're not connected because we're just here for two hours on Sunday morning, you know. Did you marry your spouse after you just saw him at church for 10 years on two hours on Sunday morning? Or did you at some point decide to put yourself out there and open yourself up to build a relationship with somebody? I know we get busy. We got things going on, but I think most importantly, it's self-preservation. Scared to death to be hurt. Scared to death to not be heard. Scared to death to not connect with people, so we don't want to open ourselves up to that. But we can't love the world if we don't know God loves us, love him in return, love ourselves love our family, and love our faith family. There, it takes so much support to go into the world and love the world the way we're supposed to love the world. You've got to be coming at a place where you're not just representing yourself, but you're representing God, you're representing your family, you're representing your faith family, because there's such an undergirding and there's such a reassurance of, who you are, and, and the, same, the voices are telling you what God is saying about you. That thing that you don't want to go to a life group because you're not sure if people will accept it, do you accept it in your life? If you accept it in your life, you wouldn't be so afraid that other people aren't going to accept it. So that thing that you're so afraid people are going to judge you for, if you're really real about your life and you let somebody in and they start to know who you are, you already are judging yourself on that. 
You're already living in guilt and condemnation over that thing that causes you to not connect with other people because you're afraid they might find out. You're doing all that in your own mind before we even get a chance to judge you or not. But what happens? What happens if you find out that not only do they not judge you, but they extend mercy to you and love you? How does that change how you fight that battle? How does that change how you look at that circumstance and that situation when you know now people actually know who I am and still love me? People actually know some things that I struggle with in my life and they still love me. How much strength does that give you? That's why the Bible says one can put a thousand to flight, but two can put ten thousand to flight. That's why it talks about a three-round cord can't easily be broken. That's why it talks about how much we are supposed to be interconnected together as a body and as a family to overcome. That's why it says confess your faults one to another so that times of refreshing may come. Not because you got to go to a priest or you got to go to somebody in this body and tell them all your faults, but because it puts to death that fear of guilt and shame that's been dominating your life and isolating you from the body. And so when we do that, it lets healing come in. And so it's important that you're connected with the body. It's important that you plug in. And I just want to challenge you today. Go ahead and show that. Oh, which video is it? Number one video. All right. This is just a few people. We had a little bit of difficulty this week, but I want to show this one. Yeah.
So what happens? What happens when you get when you get to discover that? What happens when you fought for years and you've been isolated by this one point in your life and then you find that you're accepted and you're loved in it? What happens? What happens that even if it comes out that the truth is different than where you are, but it's told to you in such a way that it gives such mercy to your life that it makes you want for the joy set before you to go to this other place? What happens when all of those slanderous lies and all those things are removed? Because you opened yourself up and found him to be faithful to put people around you that will love you that way. What happens? What will happen in your life when you allow him to do that? It's going to multiply your strength so greatly. It's going to multiply your freedom so greatly. Plug in with the body. Plug in. Love people and be loved by people. Be loved by people, genuinely. It's a beautiful thing. You guys stand up with me. I'm going to let you go today. I have to go pick up my baby. Both of my babies. God, we want to love the world. We want to love our enemies. We want to love people with different political views than us. We want to love people with different ethnicities than us. We want to love people with different beliefs than us. God, I want to love people that don't believe you're real. I want to love people that curse your name. I want to love people that ridicule and mock and spit on you. I want to love those people. And I can't love them with my own issues. Where if I, their beliefs attack my faith, I have to know who I am. And I have to be firm in who you are so that what they say and what they do doesn't scare me or hinder me. And so, God, I know that that faith and that ability to love people is practiced and tested. And, God, I know that so many things in our life that we try to keep to ourselves. I know in my life, things that I have wanted to keep, particularly from leaders, when somehow things would be exposed or somehow I would get to a point where I'd finally want to be real, the freedom that would come for that was, from that was unbelievable. And God, I believe that's what the body is for. I believe that's what 
life groups are for. I believe that's what the relationships that are supposed to be forged in these people will bring about that freedom that's unbelievable, incomprehensible. So God, I pray that you would help us to love each other well. I pray that you would help us to open ourselves up and be vulnerable. Pray that you'd help us to put ourselves out there. God, I pray that we would make it a priority to connect with other believers in this faith family. God, would you make it a thing of value, a thing of worth? Would you give us a redemptive revelation of what this connection is supposed to be in our life? Would you let us see what is attached to it and what is connected to it so that it would take the place it's supposed to of value, that we would count the cost and be willing to go after it and put ourselves out there for it? I thank you for the availability. I thank you for the brothers and sisters in this place that I have found to be faithful, that I have found to be a refuge and a place I can go, a place I can talk, and a place that I can be real and be free. I thank you for what that has meant in my life and the encouragement and the freedom that that's brought. And God, I pray that nobody would be in this body and be living in deficiency in relationship. I pray that you would convict us, compel us, challenge us, call us, dare us, provoke us, whatever you have to do to move us to one another. I pray that you would do it, God. In Jesus' name. Amen, amen. Thanks for listening to this audio podcast from Redemption Life Church. Be sure to stay connected with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Redemption Life. 